0: You know, it's amazing coming across to the West Coast, uh, long travel day, and then coming out here and being able to take three from a good team. Uh, you know, we're really just trying to get back to our roots and get back
1: to ourselves and really just play loose and free, and that's what I feel like we've really had the last couple days here, just playing loose, playing free, and, uh, you know, it's, it's been showing, you know, offensively or starting pitching in the bullpen, stuff like that. Uh, you know, everything's clicking, and we're having fun doing it, so it's been great.
0: Those that are listening, those that might not have caught what happened today, let me inform you. The Cincinnati Reds won two baseball games today Not one, but two. Second game, they won 7-3. First game, they won by a million. Nick, how you feeling?
1: Uh, I, I'm doing well. Fortunately, I won't be able to sleep as well tonight as Los Angeles Angels fans because they did win the trade deadline. Yes, uh, they did. But, but, you know, hey, well, I'll take the consolation prize of a sweep and uh, we'll move along.
0: Well, some are saying the Padres won the deadline, too. So, I mean, it's, it, was a, it was a West Coast battle. I think it's still in the air. Still up in the air, at least. Uh, so, shout out to them. I don't know how you want to do this show, Nick. I think the first thing we need to do is get this off of our plate. There's a lot. There's a lot weighing me down right now. That is the recaps. We got, like, two of them. There's probably a billion. I don't know how long these are going to be, but it's going to be like a Harry Potter novel if I had to guess at this point. Game one and game two. Uh, Nick, this is why we pay you the big bucks. This is why you're the man of the people. Could you possibly... Could you possibly inform us what happened in game one and game two?
1: Yeah, let's do it. Let's go through game one. Uh, then we'll do the uh, deep drive of the game because it is from game one. And we'll talk about game one. How's that sound?
0: I mean, I sounds perfect.
1: All right. Game one, Reds and Angels. Andrew Abbott versus Shohei Otani. Bottom of the first, Andrew Abbott walked the leadoff hitter. And then he gave up a 442-foot bomb, 115.7 off the bat to Shohei Ohtani, 2-0 Angels. Ohtani then retired four of the first five batters he faced, but then he left the game with what would later be classified as arm fatigued. While that was certainly a break for the Reds, they now had to go up against Angels left-handed pitcher Tyler Anderson, who'd been in the rotation in Ohtani's spot, um, as Ohtani did actually have a couple days off because of some arm fatigue. Um, Reds also had their lineup in to face a right-handed pitcher. But nonetheless, bottom of the third, Angels got back-to-back doubles off Abbott, and it was 3-0. Reds scratched across a run in the fourth, but trailed 3-1 going into the fifth. Tyler Anderson appeared to be in pretty good control of the game, but the Reds caught a break when Matt McLean reached on a throwing error with two outs, putting two runners on base for Ellie De La Cruz. Anderson fell behind 2-0, and then Ellie made him pay by crushing a 92 mile hour fastball, 408 feet to center field, and that made it 4 3 Reds. In the top of the seventh, Reds played add on. TJ Friedel had his 14th bunt hit single with a slick slide into first base to avoid the tag. Reds loaded the bases for Ellie De La Cruz, and then he smoked a bases clearing triple down the right field line at 112.6 off the bat, 7 3 Reds. Sear then drove home Ellie with a single, that made it 8 to 3. Uh, Abbott only lasted four innings. He did struggle with his command all afternoon, but the Reds' bullpen picked him up in a big way. Buck Farmer retired all five batters that he faced on 13 pitches. Ian Jabot got out of a bases-loaded jam when the Angels brought the tying run to the plate in the bottom of the seventh. Reds was scratch across one more in the ninth on an RBI single from Steer. And then Fernando Cruz closed the book on a 9-4 win for the Reds. Win number 66 on the season.
0: Do you want the Deep South drive of the game? Because there was like a billion of them today, a thousand of them. If you didn't see it in the first game, I got to be honest with you, you should go back to MLB.com and watch it. Ellie De La Cruz, legitimately. If you if you looked up "pimp job" in the uh, in the dictionary, and you look down at like the fourth definition, don't read the first definition, especially during the day. It's a kid's show. Uh, fourth definition, you'd see Ellie De La Cruz with a massive bomb, a huge home run. Some are saying the biggest swing of the year. Came off the bat of Ellie De La Cruz, and it is the Deep South Deep Fly Drive of the Game. 109 miles an hour off the bat, 408 feet, 36 degrees. And as always, the Deep Drive of the Day is sponsored by Deep South Commodities. DSC is a leader in renewable commodities. For biofuel production, specializing in used cooking oil collection, aggregation, and sales, visit www.deepsouthcommodities.com for more information. And as always, like the stream, subscribe to the channel, hit the notification bell, and go to deepsouthcommodities.com uh, for good luck. That's what we do here on this show, and that's what we'll continue to do. The Reds. Some are saying, some are saying, some are saying. I don't know who did it after Game One. Sometimes you just have a vision. You see, you see Ellie De La Cruz rip a rip a triple down the line, and you just think, I've seen enough. We're back. Don't want to say who called it. Don't want to say who called it. This is say Reds are back. We'll see how long they're back for, but by God, they're back right now, and that's all that matters. You got to live in the moment, Nick. You should live in the moment. A couple things are that game one. Game one, Buck Farmer. Buck freaking Farmer, dude. Do you realize how big of a job he came in and did? All right. With all due respect to Andrew Abbott, not his best start. Okay. Much love to Andrew. Great guy. Great family. Comes from a beautiful family. But all that being said, not very good today. Not good at all. Leave whatever you decided to do today at the door the next time you decide to come out and pitch again. However, Buck Farmer picked him up, got a huge home run from Ellie, come out the next inning, first two guys get on, you're starting to think, oh my God, are we going to really give this lead right back up? As soon as we get some momentum, we're going to give it right back? No, Buck Farmer comes in and dominates, and then he comes back out the next inning and gets two more outs. I'm serious, Buck Farmer and Jabot, game one, MVPs outside of Ellie.
1: Yeah, you kind of hinted at it earlier before we went on, uh, and I, I was texting with a friend during the game, uh, shout out Craig, uh, about that Ellie home run, and I said right at the time, I said, man, if the Reds are going to make the playoffs, that might be one of those moments you kind of look back on and you go, hey, that was a huge moment in this season, because yeah, it felt like you caught this huge break with Shoei Otani coming out, but then this Tyler Anderson comes out. He's not a terrible pitcher. He's a lefty, which the Reds – he's like that exact type of lefty. The lefty that doesn't really throw super hard that the Reds have really seemed to struggle with, and he seemed to be in complete control of the game, but he fell behind on Ellie. You could kind of see it maybe coming, all right, Ellie's going to get his pitch here against the lefty, and Ellie didn't miss his pitch and and uh, cranked it out. And that was an absolutely just huge home run to, to really – you know, potentially change this whole week for the Reds.
0: No doubt. Uh, I see the chat saying, uh, what about Jabot? What about Jabot? Will give me will you give me a second? Will you give me a second? I mentioned Jabot. I mentioned I'll mention him again. By God, he deserves some credit too. He came in, bases loaded jam, came in, struck a guy out. Smell you later. Um, you know, I I I again I don't know how many times we gotta do it on the show. I'm gonna continue to do it because at this point it's almost superstitious. The bullpen is unbelievable. It's just phenomenal. It, it is It is truly, without question, the best asset this team has. And until proven otherwise, I'll continue to believe it. Uh, those guys have been just fantastic. Now, I would venture to say there's one thing that the bullpen could do a little bit better, Nick. They could throw a little more strikes. I'm not trying to be too pessimistic on this show because I'm not going to be pessimistic at all. But if you were to say one thing about the bullpen, it'd be nice if they maybe didn't walk as many guys. But they it never... Truly ends up biting him. too bad.
1: One quick note here. Uh, Angels has reported Shohei Otani has a torn UCL and will pinch a- pitch again this season. So that was the Reds probably Reds probably saw the last pitch Shohei Otani will ever throw for the Angels today. I can't even believe he tore his UCL and th- he went back out and hit in game two. I mean, he's a gamer,
0: yeah. but the Angels are
1: also maybe a little uh, <sighs> questionable
0: in their decision-making. Well, they they they've proven that they're not going to um I don't want to say they don't look out for the guy's health, but in all in all seriousness, they probably should shut him down for the rest of the year. At least Shohei should consider it, but Shohei might be such a stand-up guy. He says, "I can still hit. Let me hit. I want to play." But I don't know. Who cares about the Angels? That's a poverty franchise. What a disgusting mess that was at the end of that game. I still can't get over that. That you want to talk about you want to talk about uh showing uh, a videotape to your little league team on what not to do. Go back and watch the end of this game with the Angels hitters they look lost at the plate. Um that would get us into game 2. Um game 1 I guess to finish it up on if it good teams take advantage of extra outs, okay? Good teams take advantage of extra outs and and the Reds, let's be honest. The Angels gave the Reds some extra outs this series. I'm not trying to downplay what we've done. I'm not trying to downplay and fit and say that we didn't play good baseball, but the Angels didn't play good baseball. They you know, they gave us chances to execute and by god, we took advantage of it. So we should get credit for that. I'm not I'm not saying that we shouldn't get any credit. We should get credit for taking advantage of it, but they gave us some gifts. And thank god they gave us the gift of allowing Ellie to come up there and hit that ball uh whatever it was, 400 and something feet. Angels got a huge stadium too. You got you got to earn your you got to earn your stripes of hitting one out of there. I I I tell you what, man. Um, that felt like a huge burden lifted off this team. It kind of felt like that was kind of like a smiling moment, right? Like it was like, okay, we might we. I don't want to say we're back a hundred percent, but in the dugout, it kind of felt like that lifted a little bit. And then obviously, Ellie coming up again and getting a big, big time hit, um, scoring Friedel from first base. It's just, um, you know, what the one thing I also want to add. Yes, we scored runs, but I thought we also had really good at bats, Nick. It, it, it even 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 some of our outs. We're good at bats. You know, we were going, get, getting deep into the count. Um, I don't know exactly off the top of my head, but I want to say um, the starter in the, um, was it the second game maybe? Anyway, there was like 50 pitches through through three innings. That, 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 that's the type of offense that we've come to know earlier this year where everybody was a tough out. And it just felt like here for this short stretch of baseball so far here in the recent past that we were, you know, getting frustrated by. That wasn't the case. Um, so, you know, maybe, hopefully, hopefully we've turned a corner here and we get back to playing confident baseball because I think that's all it is. I think it's confidence. Um, and I think if the Reds can get that mojo back, get the swagger back, then uh, this team's dangerous. I, I don't, I'm i not preaching. I'm preaching to the choir. I'm preaching to the choir, Nick.
1: Yeah, Spencer Steer also in this game had three hits in game one. Uh, two separate times he drove in, like, an extra run for the Reds uh, to, to really help um provide some insurance. Um any concerns on on Abbott? I mean the the starting pitcher? No. Um uh, I mean I would say you know, especially since you won the game, it might be a blessing he only seventy five pitches. Might might kind of four innings, you know, might be kind of nice uh, you know he he's not having didn't have to get pushed as hard today.
0: I think they need to skip a they need to skip a start of his here soon. Um yeah just to give him some rest. I know we have some off days coming up that maybe they can manipulate that and get him one one free start uh, or skip one start. You know, I think since he reached his his um, his maximum innings that he's ever thrown in the big leagues, his ERA is around five. But, again, that's such a short sample size that I don't really know how much stock I put into that. He could go out the next game and throw eight scoreless, eight scoreless innings and he's right back to his traditional statistics for the rest of the year. So, again, I don't want to put too much in that but I, I, think, I think it's reasonable to say that, that he could be wearing down a little bit. Again, he is a rookie. He, this is the most pitches or the most innings he's ever thrown in his career by far, and um, we need him. If, if we're going to make anything happen in the postseason, we do need him, so I'm okay with trying to uh, maybe cheat a little bit and skip a couple starts and see if he can get back to back to fresh but I don't know if it's that as much Nick as it just is sometimes his command's not there he's shown that in the past I mean he did it in Milwaukee um if he doesn't have his command I think you you pointed it out eloquently on a show before if he throws strikes he's just a really good pitcher and the only the only caveat that you could say whenever he gets himself in trouble is when he just doesn't throw strikes now you could say that about a lot of pitchers Nick but I think it's more it seems more apparent with Andrew Abbott Uh, than anyone else, because he doesn't, I don't want to say he doesn't have good stuff, but you know, he's not, he's not a guy that's going to overpower anyone specifically, um, and and look like a Roldis Chapman out there, if you will.
1: Yeah, and this is, I don't want this to be, anyway, a dig at Hunter Green, but Hunter Green threw strikes on Sunday, and got absolutely rocked, so just throwing strikes doesn't always work, but for Andrew Abbott, it seems to be, man, when when he's throwing strikes, he's, he's as close to unhittables as they get, so. Yeah,
0: yeah. Uh, Sean Connor I, in the chat says another good point. Says Abbott's total college plus professional innings is extremely high prior to age 25. I, I'm not so concerned about his workload. I just think that in a given season, you know, it takes time to build up to a certain plethora of, of innings. And and again, he's nowhere near the amount of innings that he's thrown. What he's going to be expected to throw the rest of this year. Um, but so. I don't know where we're at with that. I, they'll skip a start. They're going to skip a start for Andrew Abbott.
1: All right, ready for game two?
0: Yep, born ready.
1: All right, game two, Lyon Richardson versus Reed Detmers. Reds had five rookies batting one through five, first time since 1909, and it was Noel V. Marte leading off, Matt McClain batting second, Ellie De La Cruz batting third, Spencer Sear fourth, and Christian Encarnacion Strand fifth. In the bottom of the second, the Angels got a run off Lyon Richardson as his command was really shaky earlier in the game. He walked three batters in the first two innings. T.J. Friedel made a huge play in this game. He robbed Otani of a hit to end the inning in the second inning with a great diving catch, kept the score one run, could have been worse. And then the top of the third, Noelvi Marte had a leadoff walk. Ellie then replaced Marte on a fielder's choice. Ellie stole second, and then Spencer Steer drove him home to tie the game at one. And then in the top of the fourth, right after TJ Friedel fouled a ball off his ankle, he ripped a triple, his fifth triple of the season. And then Tyler Stevenson hit a home run to left center field, made it 3-1 Reds, home run number 10 on the season for Stevenson. Top of the fifth, Will Benson singled, stole second. Matt McClain drove him home. That made it 4-1. Bottom of the fifth, Lion Richardson really settled down. He retired the first batter in the fifth inning. That was eight straight retired but then he did give up a single and then a double to Otani. Uh, Mole came in, he got Moose to hit a weak short flyout, but then Luis Rendifo hit a weak single at just 71 miles an hour off the bat to make it a 4-3 game. Then Lucas Sims came in, got out of a big jam in the sixth, stranded two runners on base, and left Otani in the on-deck circle. Then in the top of the eighth, Matt McLean put an exclamation point on this entire series for the Reds hit a 401-foot bomb to make it 7-3 Reds, and that would be the final as Fernando Cruz came in for a second time in in, in a day, pitched in both games. Shout-out to him, two scoreless innings. And then Alexis Diaz was very shaky in the ninth but still got the job done. Reds win, and the Reds are back in a playoff spot. Reds hold the third wild-card spot at the moment. Philly's holding the first one. They're three games ahead of the Reds. Cubs are next. Reds hold the third wild card spot, but they have the Diamondbacks and Giants right behind them at a half game back, which just so happens to be the next two teams the Reds play.
0: Yeah, it's huge baseball games. Game two is, um, it felt like one of those games where, it felt like one of those games where if they would have lost game two, you still feel pretty decent about the day. And you got a guy going out there that you didn't know what you were going to get out of. Uh, a guy that flew through the system, Nick, right? Like, I mean, of all the guys that you expected at the beginning of the year to be pitching uh, in August for this baseball team, Lion Richardson would not be one of the names that you'd probably draw out of the hat, I wouldn't assume, uh, unless you know something more than I do. But he, he was throwing not that many innings. I mean, I don't know how many innings he even threw in AAA. How many do you know? Did he throw, like, I think I, think I heard on the broadcast, like, what... Uh, was it 10 Was it ten innings?
1: No, he, he threw a lot of innings, but he never threw more than four at a time. So the, coming back from Tommy John surgery, the Reds significantly limited his workload. So he started the year, he was only pitching, I think, like two innings at a time. And then he kind of worked up to three. And then the four was only a couple times that he had four. So him getting it out in the fifth inning, that was the first time all year he got it out in the fifth inning. And he did it in the big leagues. This is a guy that started the season in Daytona. That's low A. That's like four levels below this one. Right. And he pitched really, really well tonight. Uh, this guy is an incredibly talented pitcher. Um, I, You know, when you're talking about... Stuff. I didn't want to skip ahead when we were talking about Abbott. Right. But when we were talking about skipping Abbott, the, Lyon makes you go, hey, you know, what? maybe we can get by with that here. Maybe we could, you know, skip Abbott twice, have, have Lyon make a couple starts, especially when we can use Lyon on, on days that... Um, we have, uh, uh, maybe an off day before, after we can, you know, we have a fresh bullpen around him. Uh, you're going to get an extra pitcher here in a couple days, uh, on September 1st. Uh, so yeah, I mean, he definitely gives you some confidence with that, but man, he's got incredible stuff. I don't know if he, he projects as a, a starter or as a really, really, really good reliever, but this is just another really talented pitcher in the Reds organization that, uh, uh, they're starting to finally start look like they're developing some good pitching. Yeah, uh, that seemed to be the biggest gap between the Reds and a team like the Brewers. Brewers just kept seeming to bring up these guys after guy after guy that that has nasty stuff. And, and Lion Richardson's kind of finally one of those guys for the Reds.
0: Uh, Chad is saying that they they think on the broadcast they said he only threw ten innings in AAA. Um, it could be. Oh, we, I, I we could all we could all be wrong about that. We'll see. Um, he, go ahead. he only threw. I thought you meant all
1: year in the minors.
0: No, no, no. Yeah, 10 innings in AAA.
1: Yeah, but he only threw three innings in AAA. He only made one start before he came up that first start. Okay. And then he went back down. He right. made, I think, two starts. He made two starts, uh, three and a four to get you to your 10. Right. And then, so, yeah, I mean, that's just just incredible.
0: All right. Uh, I don't know. Is there anything else you want to add in for game two before we get into the, the, the Mancini thing and uh, maybe some other topics of conversation?
1: Yeah, just you know, a couple guys make sure we, you know, shout out uh Matt McClain, obviously. Aw oh, stud. Just an incredible Dog. series. Cool for him being being from and Spencer Steer also had an incredible series. Both those guys from that area. Yep, very cool. Uh, I, I did find it very interesting that uh uh Spencer Steer's entire family was in Angels gear. They what were. the hell's up with that? Well their brother like, come his, on. his listen, his well, brother his I, brother, I brother get, works for the, the, the Angels. Brother. I get the brother. I get the brother who works for them but hmm. the rest of the family come on that's 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 messed up i was disappointed well, i was disappointed what? in mr and mrs steer well steer gave
0: him and a little and they went bit home of, losers yeah they went home losers i mean hate to break it to him they got a winning son but a bunch of losers in that house
1: man yeah. <laughs> uh tj friedel 3 for 4 triple stole base he's got 24 stolen bases this year what a season and then tj hopkins two hits today good for him a guy that had really really struggled and then will benson also had two hits think like one was off a lefty, one was off a righty. Stole another base. Reds were running wild in this game.
0: Bryce Sizemore says the next two series are going to be important, but for now, I'm going to celebrate a series sweep. Let's go, Reds. And you know what, Bryce? That's right, man. That is right. I'm just trying to live in the moment. You know what I'm saying? Let's not get too high. Let's. Well, you know what? You know one bad thing that Nick Carl said? One thing that's pretty stupid, the whole peaks and valleys statement pretty dumb let's be honest we're trying to eliminate peaks we're trying to eliminate valleys okay whatever he made a mistake everyone makes mistakes Michael Jordan said that the floor is the ceiling remember that whatever the hell he said some some stupid stuff sometimes you say you say dumb stuff I say dumb stuff you probably don't but I do here's the thing just enjoy the moment take it all in bask in the glory that is the Cincinnati Reds a bunch of rookies a bunch of nobodies a bunch of guys that were supposed to win 64 and a half games how many games they won Nick 67. Oh, 67. Uh August 24th, 2023. 67 wins. Supposed to win 64 and a half. And here we are. Like it or not, the Reds are better than we all thought. They're better than we all thought. Just 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 take it in. Enjoy it. Because the beautiful thing is right now, if we're being honest with ourselves, I know we're still our, our hearts in this and it's still it's still it's still going to feel great and or hurt really bad win or loss clearly we're invested but the thing is is like the expectations right now are so low to a certain extent that you should be enjoying this I hope we never get to a point where it feels like World Series are bust. And I guess I do hope that because that means we have an unbelievable team. But I, my point is is that when you have those types of expectations, then you're setting yourself up for just pure failure, right? It's like being uh – For lack of a better term, it's like being an elite college football fan. Whether you root for Alabama, you root for Iowa State, you root for Georgia, you root for whoever, whatever elite teams. It's like if that team doesn't win every single game and win the national championship, then it's like, oh, it wasn't that great of a year. That kind of sucks. That kind of sucks. Let's just take it in, enjoy it, Nick. I don't know how the rest of the season is going to go, but by God, they didn't lay down and die. They didn't quit. They could have quit, Nick. They haven't quit.
1: Yeah, let's just, let's say this right now. Uh, so w- when hopefully it's the Reds that are, are the Braves, it it, it, it rings a little truer. Like the Braves should not have expectations of they must win the world series this year. I mean, simple math right now, they're, they're by far, by far the highest world series odds. And it's 27%. And that's much higher than most teams would be at this. Usually a team doesn't have that, that big of a gap. So Like sure, if you're the if you're a Braves fan, you're going to be disappointed and sad if they don't win the World Series. But it's not a failure if they don't win the World Series because it's just it's it's so hard and you have to have things go your way. Uh, But but the Reds, I mean, man, you just you look at the lineup. Like like the Reds are fighting for a playoff spot. The Reds hold a playoff spot on August 24th, and they ran out there. Noel V. Marte, Matt McClain, Ellie De La Cruz, Spencer Steer, and Christian Encarnacion Strand one through five in the lineup. Just think back to March, the first time we did this show. We weren't even sure all those guys were going to make their debuts this year, much less they're all playing and you're fighting, you're holding a playoff spot right now. That is just, that's incredible. This is, I think, also really good experience for these guys, like experience you can't teach, as cliche as that might be. I mean, this is real tough pressure games, and even if it doesn't work out, they're going to kind of get that taste that I hopefully you can build off of.
0: Uh, no doubt. A uh, couple of points that I'd like to point out here. Reds Daily says that uh, Jake Fraley is obviously playing two games down in Louisville next week. He's down there. He plans on working out. And hopefully he'll be back. I think the plan for him is the Cubs series. Uh, and then another thing that I want to point out, um, Jake Money says Friedel is the team's MVP. That's the cool thing about this team. We could have a reasonable debate. We could have a reasonable debate and I think that you could argue that this person's right, this person's right, or this person's right. Over three or four different guys on this team. I could make a strong case that, like it or not, even though he might not have played great all year long when he's been up here, I could make a case that Ellie's the team MVP because without him and the spark he provided, there's no chance in hell they'd be where they're at. Obviously, I can make a case for Matt McClain without question. In fact, I'd argue he might be the best player on this team. Spencer Steer is a guy that really carried us heavily at the front half of this year. It was a guy that we relied heavily on, and he played all over the place. Let's not forget, Spencer Steer played first base, third base, left field, and he continued to hit, continued to hit, continued to hit, didn't cry about it, was a team guy. You could make the argument that he's the MVP. And then you could make the argument that TJ Friedel's an MVP. Because he's been incredible as well. He's been incredible as well. And I'm sure I'm missing somebody right now off the top of my An- head.
1: Andrew Rabbit. Yeah. He's got to be up there. Graham Ashcraft for how he turned the season around. And, and one guy, Alexis Diaz. I know he was at his best tonight. But, man, I tell you what, all those saves that he converted consecutively, you have a couple. Of, he blows a couple of those saves. This whole season falls apart. I mean, that's kind of how fragile it was at times, right? Oh, no, I know. What a, it was like? It was like twenty-five in a row. I mean, Alexis Diaz came in this game worth one point seven wins above replacement. That is really, really good for a closer. You can't get much higher than that. He's been absolutely dominant, and it's, it's, it's almost silly that a guy that made his big league debut last year, we, 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 when he comes up, he's a little bit shaky. We're like, what's going on? You know, like like the expectation level that he's built so quickly. And Andrew Abbott too, like we're like what's going on with Andrew Abbott? He allowed 4 runs today or 3 runs today, you know, like 3 runs like this guy's a rook. You Correct. know, the
0: expectations that all these players have built so quickly speaks volumes about how good they are. I agree. I mean, that's the that's why I'm so excited about the future is less is it less about having rookies it's less about just being young, because you've heard that before, right? You've heard that at the high school level. You hear that at college levels. It's an excuse more times than not for a team that's average or or, or, or not great. It's like, well, they're pretty good, but they're young. They're young. The young is always an excuse. The thing about the Reds is, is like, I, I, you can say they're young, but I would just take the young out of it and just say they're good. We got good players. And yeah, they are young. But that's not the first thing I say about him. Um, Oh, by the way, Jose Barrero, um, not to get into him right off this rip, but I think we probably should have a little small discussion about him at some point in this show. There's something about going back to AAA, maybe finding it out, getting a little confidence and coming back. Will Benson did it. TJ Friedel did it. Um, uh, Barrero, uh, we're getting close to the point now where you got at least maybe he might want to kick those tires uh we'll see I know that they just signed Mancini we'll jump into that now Red signed Mancini so perhaps they won't kick the tires on Barrero like I would hope for them to do uh your thought on this pickup and uh are they I guess they're just are they going to throw him right into the mix or what, what what's your expectation with this
1: well the the funny thing is is this off season which feels like a million years ago at this point I think the last two play the Reds were way was Will Myers versus Trey Mancini, and they're both going to get a chance on the Reds. So, uh, uh, Crawl kind of got two for the price of one. Both have been terrible. Uh, but, but Mancini, obviously, it didn't work out for the Cubs. I think when you look at his numbers, he wasn't maybe as bad as it felt. I know he was just really, really bad at the end. Uh, but obviously, fresh start, hitter's ballpark. Uh, surely he's going to, he signed on a minor league deal, so he's going to start at AAA. I don't even think he's played in almost a month at this point. Uh, So, but this is a guy that, that really crushed lefties for about a three year sample prior to this year, Uh, hit them at a really, really high level. He's a bad defensive player. So if you put him out in the corner outfit, which he can play, like he can play, but he's probably going to be a little bit of liability. So he's, he has to hit, but he could also be a platoon partner with Joey Votto at first base or DH. Um, But yeah, I mean, it's, it's a veteran guy that, that you hope you can bring in. Catch fire and kind of be that guy to hit lefties. Of course, they sign him, and then T.J. Hopkins finally (laughs) gets a couple hits. Uh, A a guy that that had crushed, and I'm sure that's kind of what the Reds were hoping is, you know, Ramos and Hopkins. They both crush lefties at AAA. They bring them up, and they just haven't been able to do a thing. So, just another guy to get in the mix. But I I hope they get Barrero a chance. Uh, We'll get to Barrero in a second. But I don't. I want to see them maybe try Barrero out in right field. Because yep. I like, you saw that play that T.J. Friedel made. They've only played Barrero in center field, correct? Tough in spot shortstop, on the field. and I, I, I think there was some. I remember back in 2021, they had said that they thought it was easier for Jose Barrero to play center field than a corner outfield spot. Because if you remember, the Reds actually in 2021 had Delino De Shields playing which terrible hitter, but he was a really good defensive center fielder. And they moved the line of the shields to left field. So Jose Barrera could play center field. Was, I, there's something they – I have to trust they know what they're doing. Sure. They said it would be easier for Barrera to play center field. But, man, I just – I hate taking TJ Friedel out of center field because he's just been so darn good there. So, I don't know. I Maybe would like to see them play Barrera out a little bit in right field because I feel like he could do it, Right.
0: Yeah, we could give it a shot. Like I said before, you've heard me say a thousand times that uh, I don't love the idea of taking Barrero and sticking him in the outfield at all because I just don't know how, how good defensively he'll ever be. A sprint speed isn't elite. It's not like he's – it's it's just – you're relying on pure instincts, I think, with Barrero, and you're you're relying on good hand-eye coordination. I think that's why he's a good infielder. He's got a good instincts. He's got good hands, and I don't know if that translates all that well to the outfield, to be honest with you, but if you stick him out in right field or left field, maybe – Maybe he gets good enough against Spencer Steer, I would like to say. And this is not a shot against Spencer Steer, but I think Spencer Steer plays an adequate enough left field to get by. Um, and I'd like to think that Jose Barrero is just as good, if not better, of an athlete than Spencer Steer. So maybe he'd be able to figure it out too. But at the same time, it just doesn't always translate.
1: Uh, we we got a really good question really good question in the chat. I saw it all over Twitter today. Why didn't the Reds try Luke Weaver in the bullpen? And I think that's such a fair question. Uh, I think we had talked about it all year. I think you have to take a step back and look at what the red situation was because I think the Reds like needed Luke Weaver as a starter. I know that sounds really silly, but they were just trying to get by till Hunter Green came back. And then once Hunter Green came back, there really wasn't a spot for Luke Weaver in the bullpen. Remember, Daniel Duarte is at AAA right now. Like, could you imagine if, if the Reds had moved Luke Weaver to the bullpen and Daniel Duarte sit in AAA, it would have been the same, like, conversation how were you pitching Luke Weaver over Daniel Duarte like we liked Luke Weaver all year we thought there was some value there but it just kind of got to a point when the Reds no longer needed him as a starter they also didn't really have a spot in the bullpen for him and it was just kind of unfortunate timing because I would have liked to keep him around but there's just there's no who in the bullpen are you going to send down for for Luke Weaver right now that's the exactly. problem and you have a guy in AAA that's still a guy that should be up here
0: yeah, exactly. Let's let's be frank. Uh, the bullpen, if it was struggling at all, Luke Weaver would have gotten an opportunity to throw out of the bullpen. It's just the fact is the bullpen's been the best thing on this team. There's really nobody in the bullpen that at any point you thought had to be replaced. Struggled so bad, they're terrible. They're going to get rid of them, and I think that's the same reason that they decided they weren't going to keep Luis Sessa either. I, you know, I mean, it, you yeah. can make you can make the argument that Sessa was in the same boat where you he you could have tried him in the bullpen. He had success in the bullpen in previous years, but. Let's give the Reds staff and let's give the Reds management some credit. They must have known something about this bullpen that we did not know or weren't expecting coming into the night or coming into the season, because you know you you sh- you could make a strong case that that uh, Luis Sessa deserved an opportunity to at least see if he couldn't get it back in the bull or get back on track in the bullpen because he had been pretty damn good out of the bullpen for the Reds, um, but they decided not to and uh, the rest is history the reds have the bullpen outside of that shaky start when when x.com was telling everybody that if the reds had a bullpen that's the only thing that was holding them back from the world series um, turns out that that wasn't true but nonetheless um, i don't know, i I wish the best for luke weaver i do I, outside of when he throws against the reds of course I wish him the best. I think he's a better pitcher than what he showed in Cincinnati. He never was able to turn it around. I know why the Reds had to DFA him. I'm not sitting here saying the Reds shouldn't have DFA'd him. They had to DFA him. He was terrible. But somewhere deep down in there, I think Luke Weaver is much better, much better uh, than what he's shown. in today, good for him. I think he had five strikeouts in two innings, scoreless ball. So good good for Luke. Let's do some Reds in my OB. All
1: right, Louisville Bats, they won 10-7 uh, to 7 today. Uh, That was over Toledo. Uh, Bats now 64-56 and on the season. Jose Barrero, as we mentioned a minute ago, had a huge day. 3-for-5 hit, two home runs. He's got 13 home runs. Triple AAA also doubled, six RBIs. His three hits on the day, 106, 105, and 98 off the bat. The home runs went 427 feet and 417 feet. So no cheapies there. Nixon Zell, good day, 2-for-5 with a double. Uh, Jacob Herdeby, that was his AAA debut today. Two for four, stole his 35th bag of the season. Uh, Jason Shreve, that's the lefty the Reds picked up as kind of some insurance. Uh, one inning, get up a run today. And then Ricky Karcher, how about this? He's not allowed a run in six innings so far in the month of August. Only allowed two hits, two walks, and 10 strikeouts. Double A, Chattanooga, they lost 8 4 to Tennessee. Lookouts fall to 63 52 on the season. Resigns two for three. Blake Dunn, one for four with a double. Dayton Dragons, they won seven to five over the Lansing Lugnuts. Dragons now 60 and 56 on the season. They're just two and a half games back in the Midwest League East Division second half race. They also announced that Hector Rodriguez uh, is going to be promoted. Didn't play tonight, but he just got promoted from Daytona. So I tell you what, that's a really fun team. If you are in... The Cincinnati Dayton area. They're playing this week and then they play again in two weeks, their last home series. Go out and see them. There's a lot of really talented players like Sal Stewart. He was one for three tonight. Uh, Edwin Oreo got the day off. Carlos Jorge, 0 for four. Austin Hendrick, 0 for four. And then last but not least, the the uh, Daytona Tortugas. Uh, they won 3 to 1 today. Uh, Cam Collier um, was 0 for five. Victor Costa won for four. That's your Reds M-I-L-B presented by Betfred Sportsbook.
0: All right, Nick. Uh, For the podcast's sake, the show won't be over this quickly, but for the podcast's sake, let's do what's next. Uh, we got the Diamondbacks next. Who, what, when, where, and why, Nick?
1: Yeah, so a huge series with the Diamondbacks. Uh, They, uh, as mentioned earlier, are just a half game behind the Reds, so this is a huge series. Worth noting, because the Reds swept um, Arizona if the Reds could just split this series, uh, it would be almost like a series win because they're going to hold a tiebreaker over Arizona, so that would be uh, huge. So really, I mean, this is a series, four-game series. It'd be great just to get a, a split. Real quick, just run through the the series. Uh, tomorrow's nine forty, Brandon Williamson against Merritt Kelly. Uh, Friday, uh, Brett Kennedy uh, against Brandon Fought. Uh, sa- Saturday, it's at eight ten, a little bit earlier. Hunter Green against Brandon Davies. And then Sunday's a 410 game, Graham Ashcraft on the mound against some guy. I'm not even going to try to pronounce his name. Uh, but the D-Backs, they've had a wild series season. They are an MLB best nine and two since August 12th. But before that, Trace, they had lost nine straight games. This is a team they started the season 2018, then they went twenty-one and five. Then they went sixteen and thirty-one. Then they went nine and two. And then they lost uh Nine straight in there at some point, too. Just a a, a really, really um, wild season for them. They are only 28-40 and against teams uh, above five hundred. So hopefully the Reds can play into that. All right, tomorrow's matchup, it is uh, Merrick Kelly. Reds did not see him last time around because he was on the IL. Um, Since returning, he's been really good. Six starts, he's got an ERA below three. um, But he has allowed two home runs in three of his last four starts. So hopefully uh, Reds can get the long ball against him. Reds are... Uh, uh, he's two and one with an ERA of three and four career starts against the Reds. Uh, T.J. Friedel 0 for three. Joey Votto, one for eight. And then for the Reds, Brandon Williamson. Since July first, he's got an ERA of three point three eight uh, against the Diamondbacks. In that last series, six innings, just allowed one run in that series in that game. Pitched really well. And then Brandon Williamson hasn't had the results the last couple starts, but last three starts. Three walks, 21 strikeouts. So excited to see what Brandon Williamson could do tomorrow night or Thursday night if you're listening to tonight, if you're listening on the podcast.
0: Love that. Diamondbacks, kind of like a roller coaster, right? Is that what you're saying?
1: It, more so, they're like the Reds on crack.
0: Hmm. I think that sounds like they're a roller coaster. Shout out Kings Island. I think they <laughs> nailed they, Do you think they nailed that roller coaster there? You get what yeah. I'm putting down? Mm,
1: just saying. Did, did they rename that?
0: Uh, they didn't even Did rename, rename that no, one that was, a, that was a legit one they, 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 they tore down the vortex shout out R.I.P. Vortex then they went with the, the Diamondback right next to it but that's here or there Diamondback good ride good ride Diamondbacks good ride
1: well thank you for joining us for today's episode of Chatterbox Reds we greatly appreciate all of the love and support if you have not yet subscribed to Chatterbox Reds on your favorite podcast platform well what are you waiting for do it right now as we have new episodes available bright and early the morning after every single reds game this season just in time for your daily commute your morning coffee or however else you get your day started and also make sure that you're subscribed to chatterbox sports on youtube so you can join us live after every single reds game this season and be a part of the conversation hit the bell and turn on notifications also so you can get alerts on your phone whenever we go live We hope that you have a fantastic day, and as always, go Reds.